This week on Life and Faith. You are braver and stronger than you know. You are surviving an incredibly difficult, isolating, dark situation. And that shows a lot about what you're capable of. An opinion you can change, like you change a shirt, but a worldview is something like your skin color. It's part of who you are. I want to be able to read for two hours with no one interrupting me. I said, I know what I'll do will be heretical, but I don't want it to be blasphemous. Welcome to Life and Faith from CPX. I'm Simon Smart. And this episode does need to start with a content warning. There's nothing graphic in what follows, but our subject today is domestic violence. So you might just want to be careful about who's listening. This is something I hope we as a nation are getting better at talking about, bringing it into the light, recognizing it, helping women who are the vast majority of victims in domestic violence escape it. But what happens then? That's a story we hear less about. Natasha Moore brings you this conversation. Banksia Women is a domestic violence support service based in Sydney's eastern suburbs. Keely Oste is the manager of Banksia Women. She tells me that their vision is to support women to heal and flourish after experiencing domestic violence. Banksia Women is as old as COVID is in Sydney. Mm, (laughs) That's very precise. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's sort of cemented into my memory. But we launched... Thanks to your women in February of 2020. So we had a few weeks of meeting together in person and trying to get momentum going. And then COVID hit in Sydney, which threw a very obvious spanner in the works. But mm-hmm. we've been trucking along since then through some of those challenges, but not wavering in our vision and our purpose in supporting survivors in our area. The Banksia team wanted to give this service a name that represents who and where they are. And the Banksia, which for our international listeners is an Australian wildflower, that seemed just right. So the name came about from understanding the way that Banksias work, the Banksia trees and the flowers and the pods. So Banksias, if you can imagine, they've got this woody core with those eyes dotted around the core. So those eyes contain the seeds for the Banksia tree and these seeds, these pods open up after the ashy heat intensity of a bushfire. So we really loved this metaphor because it represents our hopes for survivors who've experienced something you know, incredibly painful and traumatic like a bushfire can be without minimising the severity of that incident but also capturing the possibility for new life and beauty and hope after a situation like that. You know, given the right kind of nurturing, given the right kind of support, we really firmly believe that survivors can be building something really beautiful after experiencing something incredibly traumatic. It's a beautiful metaphor. Is that what you've seen? In survivors? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the big privileges 
that I have in working in this area. I have a lot of well-meaning people say to me, oh, I can't imagine doing the work you do. It must be so hard. And while that is true, I can't help but think how the survivors are the ones who are doing the really hard work here. And that doesn't often get acknowledged. The everyday grind of what's going on for them, that's really where the hard work is happening. And survivors are embodying that long before they come and get support from us. They are embodying that in the throes of an abusive relationship where they are trying to stay alive and to keep their kids alive often. Um, but it's definitely something that I get the privilege of witnessing working at Banksia. Keely tells me that there are three main ways Banksia Women supports survivors. The first one is to provide professional social work support. So that support is one-on-one. It's tailored to a survivor's needs. And our female social worker partners alongside survivors to help them to understand what their goals and their needs are and will use our resources and resources that are available to support survivors towards those goals. I know that's a really general statement, but that's probably the best way that I could put it because it is such a specific journey depending on each woman's needs. So, Mm. for example, there are women who come to us who might have immediate material needs that they are seeking to have met, so housing or income assistance or getting legal support. So um, our social worker would help with some of those things. But our social worker also helps survivors to think through things like general safety and well-being and even expanding a bit further out from that, things like how do I reconnect more with my sense of self or how do I reconnect with people in my community or relationships that I value, which brings me on to the second activity that we do, which is what we call Survivors Connect. So it happens on a weekly basis. It's the same time every week and it's a space facilitated by some really wonderful trained female volunteers that we have who just provide this really beautiful, warm, safe space for survivors to come and connect with each other and build friendships. And there's a whole range of different things that we do, different activities. So we've done things like sharing family recipes and cooking or trauma-sensitive yoga or going to the museum or the art gallery, lots of different activities because we've got lots of different survivors who have different interests. So that's a really beautiful, warm space where people can come together. And the third main thing that we do to support survivors is to provide programs. So um, there's a range of programs that last for a really specific period of time and have take a specific group through that content. So we've got things like a program called Black Box Parenting. That is a parenting after trauma program. We've also partnered with Anglicare to deliver Beyond Abuse, which is a a program helping women to understand what domestic violence is and give them a space to speak about how it affected them and think through, okay, what does moving on and healing look like from here? Um, We're about to start again, actually, a a three-week self-worth and self-perception program. So thinking through 
how does my experience of domestic violence impact on how I see myself and how I value myself and what are some simple ways that I can continue this journey of healing? So three main things, Mm -hmm. but often there's lots of different additional things that fall outside of those main blocks because we try as best as we can to listen to the needs of survivors and be creative and flexible in our activities. Someone who tells me she's done like all the programs is Shraddha. My name is Shraddha and uh, I work in IT and have been in this position for some time and I like doing what I do. I have an 11-year-old son and uh, recently we've got two kittens. So (laughs) days are quite busy (laughs) for me. (laughs) Shraddha moved to Australia and left her marriage soon afterwards. She and her son spent a few months in a shelter and she managed to build a new life for them from there. But that didn't mean that she was okay. Banksia Women became a turning point for her. I'm with Banksia Women since uh, January last year. So it so happened that uh, I was out of a long marriage and um, I had left this person when I was really new to this country. And uh, I was going through a tough time and uh, we were married for about 13 years and I knew him for 16 years. So that was a long relationship and I had a son and so it was, uh, I was going through a difficult time and I did see a counsellor. I used to watch uh, videos, motivational videos and all of that, but nothing seemed to be working and I realised that I'm getting more into my shell and I was not open to people about what's going on in my life and I would just feel ashamed of it all. I was in a pretty bad state and um, during this time one of my colleagues from my workplace who I had met a year ago, uh, I got to know that she had gone through a similar situation and pretty recently and she was uh, about to join this course with Banksia Women which was called Beyond Abuse. And she recommended it to me and we connected on our situations which were pretty similar. And uh, so she introduced me to Keely and uh, I enrolled for the course. And from there, I think I never stopped being with the Banksia women. So has it been helpful? Oh my God, immensely. (laughs) So much help, you know, since uh, the day I joined. Till today, I have grown exponentially, mentally, you know, financially, the uh, space I got to think about good things in life, self-care, it has improved my life immensely. Understanding the situation, understanding what is acceptable, what is not. And uh, I also approached them with my questions or the areas where I need help. And uh, they did have, you know, a particular course for everything that I was looking for. So it has been a huge, huge support for me. I asked Shraddha about some of the specifics. What helped? I have a list of things for you. Oh, great. (laughs) Uh, So the first course was Beyond Abuse. Uh, wherein I understood what actual abuse is. And, you know, I am from India, wherein the cultural thing, the dominance and 
male oriented society it's i won't say negative in any sense but it's different it's different to what it is in australia so um the things that i was actually putting up with in my relationship were all the things which are not allowed which a person should not allow the other person to do and so to identify those things and see that oh i have accepted these behaviors i have let go of you know so many things that i shouldn't have and uh, to understand it was eye opening for me and the first basic thing was i am not alone in this there were so many women there and uh, i saw that their experiences are pretty similar to mine i think that was the biggest thing that helped me to not feel ashamed about the situation because it it was not my fault and i was not the only one there were a group of women who were you know of different ages of different ethnicities of diverse backgrounds and i can see that it is not because i am certain person that this happened to me it can happen to anybody and uh, it still gives me goosebumps to you know see that so many beautiful women so many educated women so many you know middle aged women uh, or pretty young women are going through such things and i was like oh you know it's not just me and that gave me like 50% uh, i was out of my pain to see uh, that i can get help from someone and my story can help someone else you know that was the thing that we shared instantly in that group uh that was the basic thing then uh, over the period i saw because of my own mental instability the ups and downs uh you know i was so tired of putting up with the situation and i was left alone in you know my midlife and i was afraid how do i start where to start as different needs and challenges arose for shrada she found the different programs offered by banksia women were a big help the black box parenting course a thing called mindful mondays programs like yoga for wellness and move for life that help join the dots between our physical and mental state i had uh, legal queries like mm. uh, i got divorced in december so i didn't want to have any future troubles from my ex's side so i asked kili for uh, you know guidance on these things and she provided a general legal help uh as a guidance the person i spoke to provided me with resources and information i also spoke to kili once about the issues that i was having with my ex at that point and she did help me with the boundary setting so whatever is needed is provided you know help is provided support is provided so i was given help in 360 degrees like with whatever i had issues with uh kili would keep checking on me about you know how i'm going and is there anything that we need to discuss she followed up with the issues that i had approached her with so these are the things you know that uh these courses that really helped me throughout this time and every course i would like to tell you that had in depth content created 
for the person we were made comfortable with what we want to share what we don't want to share we were given an outlet like if you feel overwhelming at any point you can just go and take a time uh, go to a room and take time off so everything was about us and that really helped me a lot This is Life of Faith and this episode offers a snapshot of what flourishing after trauma, specifically the trauma of domestic violence, can look like. Keely and Schrader help Natasha to understand what it means for survivors to not just get by, but like Banksias in the wake of a bushfire, to actually thrive. If I could speak generally about this to paint a general picture, what I've seen in survivors who are thriving are women who have grown in their understanding of themselves after leaving an abusive relationship and internalising abusive negative messages about who they are or how little they're worth. The survivors that are thriving can understand where that comes from and also choose to say, I know that that's not me and I know that that was wrong. And he was wrong. I know that what I've been through doesn't make me weak. It actually makes me incredibly strong. A a thriving survivor isn't necessarily one who is kicking lots of obvious goals. I think it's it's the mindset change that is really incredible. Mm. And often how you how you witness that is in conversation and in relationship, in friendship which is the kind of space that we have at Banksia. So lots of time and opportunity for women to share where they're at with volunteers, even though you don't have to. A lot of women feel comfortable to share where they're at and what they're going through and also to share some of those wins as well. Like I had a survivor say the other week that when she first came into contact with us, she felt like she had to just tell anyone and everyone who would listen about what had happened to her. But after getting some support from us, and she still is getting some support from us, she said, it feels like my spine has been restored, like my core is starting to be put back together and I don't have to tell anyone what's going on because I know that I'm listened to here. I know that people believe me here and I believe what happened and I know what's right so, yeah, that was a, that's a really powerful thing to hear. And another survivor who came to us last year, at the beginning of last year, in one of the programs that we ran, she found it really hard to articulate anything positive about herself. She couldn't think of anything that she was proud of, anything that she thought her friends or family would say is uniquely her in a positive sense. And now is the biggest advocate for self-care, <laughs> which is the best. It's the best because it shows that she knows how worth taking care of she is and she protects that for herself. So these are the kinds of things that just get me so excited that just because there was someone who chose to be abusive and manipulative and controlling 
you know, has had that impact on you, that's not the end of your story. It doesn't have to be the end of your story. There is help available. There is hope on offer as well. I can see, you know, how you kind of light up talking about this. You obviously love, you really care about this work and these women. How is it that you ended up doing this work? Why do you do it? I think working with vulnerable women is something that God has placed on my heart. Um, I mean, clearly you can see I'm struggling to answer this question because I just, I, I can't pinpoint the provenance of this to anything logical really. Like I, I think it's just the way that God has wired me. Could you ask a different question? <laughs> when I asked Keely how she became a social worker, that was easier to account for. I did start a law degree, mm-hmm. but I just wasn't feeling very convinced that that's how I wanted to be serving God. It was a really interesting intellectual endeavour, but I didn't feel like that was the best way to be supporting people who are vulnerable. I remember really distinctly sitting in this, um, I think it was Criminal Law 101, the very <laughs> first criminal law subject, and we watched this documentary about the local court system. Um, I think it was shot in the early 2000s or in the 90s, so really average quality shooting. <laughs> but I remember this young couple waiting outside in the waiting room in the local court, and it was for an AVO hearing. So she was the named protected person and he was the named perpetrator on the AVO. But they came together because they were still in a relationship. He went in, the hearing took place, then he came out and they left together. And I know that wasn't the point of the video that was shown, but I just could not stop thinking about, you know, lawyers do undoubtedly really important, potentially really life-changing work. I'm not disputing that. But what really compelled me was, okay, what happens right before and after that hearing? I I felt really compelled to be pouring my energy into that space and supporting people in that space instead. So that's how I then took the leap into social work. So Banksia Women is affiliated with a church, with St. John Starlinghurst um, in Sydney. The church in general doesn't necessarily have a great reputation on this issue. It's been in the news a fair bit the last several years for failing to protect women in abusive relationships or for protecting abusers. What difference does it make, kind of for better or for worse, that this program is running in association with a church? Does that make people suspicious? Are there things that that adds for survivors who come to you? It's an interesting question because I... This was something that I thought about a lot before we launched Banksy Women. I think it's safe to assume that generally speaking, given the unfortunate track record of the church, parts of it being unfortunate, that can generally lead to suspicion from survivors who are seeking help. So that I, I assumed that it would have a fairly significant impact and that I would need to do a lot of work to minimise that or help survivors just overcome that. But I've been pleasantly surprised that that's not been a barrier or doesn't seem to be a barrier to the women coming to us. That being said, it could be that there are a few that have 
but you know, before getting in touch with us, have seen that we are connected to a church and just so have never reached out. But for the women who come, being affiliated with a church hasn't been an issue at all. And I think that's partly because while having a Christian faith is the reason for Banksia existing, so out of who we understand God to be and how we understand his delight and design for relationships to be, that's why we continue to operate Banksia Women. Um, You don't have to be a Christian or have a faith to be a volunteer or certainly not to be getting support from us. We offer connection to faith generally or to the Christian faith specifically if that's what women are seeking, but that's not something that we explicitly communicate because we understand that while it's the reason for us doing what we do, that's not necessarily the reason why women are coming to us for support. So it's on offer if women are explicit about seeking that kind of support. But yeah, it's not something that we are really overt about. Though there's a lot more awareness these days around domestic violence, I asked Keely what she still wishes people knew about this issue. She did not hold back. This might be a really confronting thing, but I think this is a mindset that we still have a fair way to go on in general as as a community getting our heads around the fact that perpetrators of abuse and violence are people that you and I know. It's not restricted to a socioeconomic status. It's not restricted to addiction. It's not restricted to a personality type, it's actually people that you and I know, which is confronting, but we need to accept this if we're going to make a difference for survivors and their kids who are survivors in their own right. If we assume that this would never happen to me or anyone I know, I think we're putting our heads in the sand and we're not holding perpetrators responsible for what they should be held responsible for. We're going to keep stigmatising survivors. We're going to keep blaming them. The situation's never going to improve if we don't face up to who is actually perpetrating here. I think the church, if we claim to be offering hope for survivors, We also need to be more vocal on this issue in general. If we are convinced that God's design for relationships, for connection, for community is as good as it is, we need to be more active and more vocal in doing something about this, starting in our own homes and in our own churches and our own communities. Lastly, I wanted to ask both Shraddha and Keely what message they might have for women who are currently facing a situation of domestic and family violence. Just to say what I have gone through was a lot of unseen abuse sometimes, maybe manipulation, gaslighting, um, there was cheating, and the final thing that really ended this thing was domestic violence. And uh, so I had gone through all of this for the past 16 years, from the beginning of the relationship to the end of the marriage. And 
I didn't know I was going through it. So I was always questioning myself. I was doubting myself and I was made to doubt myself. I was made to see that the situation that I see may not be the situation that is actually in reality. So I was really troubled in my mind to understand the situation. I, I still struggle, but I have come to give myself that credit that, oh no, you were made to believe like that. It is not actually, you know, how it uh, should have happened. So what I would like to tell the women going through these things is that first and basic thing which helped me was you're not alone. <laughs> you know, you don't have to go into this shell. Be open to people who understand you. Try and get help. Try and find such communities with women who are supportive, who are there, who are there to understand you, listen to you and have that compassion and give you support in these things. The other thing was the situation that you are in right now will definitely get better. It's not that the situation will change, but you will be stronger and find that the situation can be handled. You know, mm. so we don't have to go through that trouble, that memories of the past, the torture of the past through every time throughout our rest of the life. We can just let it behind. It is hard. It is hard. It's a daily struggle. But then you can reach to a point wherein in the morning, if you think about, oh, I had been through this, you're like, oh, it's the past. And now my life is so much better. So that's another thing. And the third thing is self-care. Every single day, do something for yourself. Give that value to yourself, which I learned in these courses. Uh, Keely will tell you that I'm a sucker for self-care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know uh, they give us, um, they had sent some care packages during the lockdown period and during another course which had started. And in that, they provide us with uh, hand creams which is the most simple thing that you can do for yourself every day. And from there, my journey to self-care started. <laughs> and now I do something or the other thing daily. I put up a face mask or, you know, a hair mask or something. If I have a bad day or if I remember something really bad, that day definitely is the best self-care day that I do to myself. I think these two, three things were really important for me. And looking after the relationships that you have right now, gratitude, appreciation of the current situation, whatever it may be, my pets do add a lot of value to my life. And they make every day better because there's something new always coming up. So I think finding that joy and self-care and knowing that you're not alone does help a lot. I would like to say... You are braver and stronger than you know. And it might be really hard to see right now, but you are. You are surviving an incredibly difficult, isolating and dark situation. And that shows a lot about what you're capable of. You know, I want you to know that when you're ready, there are people out there who can help you. There are people out there who will believe you. And that won't necessarily be a straightforward or easy journey, 
and I'm sorry, I wish it were easier, that there is a possibility of something new and safer and beautiful out there for you when you're ready to. This has been Life and Faith from CPX. I'm Simon Smart. And Natasha Moore spoke with Keely Oste and with Shraddha from Banksia Women. If this episode has raised concerns for you, if you or someone you know needs help, know that there is a lot available. If you're in immediate danger, you should always call the police. It's triple O here in Australia. And the National Domestic Violence Line is 1800 656 463. That will connect you to an appropriate support service. And there are many other options and we'll list some of them in the show notes. If you want to know more about Banksia Women or get in touch with them, we've put the link to their website as well. Next week. In the Anglosphere, in the English-speaking world, Evangelicals have been somewhat significant. Sometimes they inspire political parties. Sometimes they will inspire popular movements of social care. Uh, They've been very busy in charity work, for instance. But only in the United States and now in a few select places in the South American continent and in Korea do we see evangelicals of a significant power block actually able to affect elections and perhaps change something of the national conversation.